Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are on this beautiful planet. Welcome to the Reconnecting to the Artist Within podcast, inspiring you to crack open your creative vision and unleash it on the world. I am your host, Mike Murray, and I am super stoked to have you here listening to this episode today. As always, I have a wonderful guest lined up to interview on today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump right into this week's show. There he is, Papa Shango in the flesh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, it's quite fun because we put on like stadium sized shows inside to small venues. So kind of the audience is a, a bit blown away by it all. But um, yeah, it's good fun, really. <laughs> I like I like that. It's a, that's a quick elevator pitch, too. It's like, well, what kind of music or you know, what's your life you're like? And you're like, we put on stadium sized shows inside venues, rock venues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. I think. There's about any one time, there's could be between 12 of us up to about 15, 16 of us on stage sometimes. So a lot of the time with the venues, if there's no room, we kind of scatter ourselves around the floor. A lot of us have got wireless mics, so we just go out into the audience. But we like to... Um, you know, that's that for us, what music is kind of dead. There's so many people, just four men playing guitar, bass, drums, and uh, singing. And if you're not into the music, then people need a show, and, that, and that's what we do. So maybe people don't like heavy metal or rock music, but at least they can like girls in red hot pants and high heels. <laughs> <laughs> so would you qualify the music then as like metal and heavy rock? Uh... Oh, that's a good question, and one that I toy with a lot. I would say it is, for me personally, I am a metal fan, but I know that wouldn't necessarily appeal to everyone that we play to. So I'd say we veer onto uh, heavy rock, I would say, yeah. Yeah, that's what it felt like uh, in the videos I saw. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd say heavy rock with uh, with a big show. Yeah, go okay. for that. <laughs> well, I hear what you're saying about, you know, a lot of bands are just four people with uh, their instruments playing up on the stage. And unless you're into the music, it's not going to necessarily be interesting. That's something I've even been thinking about lately. It's like, okay, when I start playing live shows, how do I make the live show engaging? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it started for me when I was about 14. I was a bit obsessed with uh, Queen and Freddie Mercury. And uh, Freddie Mercury was always saying, you know, if people don't like your music, you have to put on a show. And and it sounds like a bit of a cynical interview, but, but so much music has been done now. You're not going to hear anything that is particularly different to something else you know most music has been done and to take that a little bit further well I mean if you stripped back our costumes and show and everything it's just pretty decent rock songs which you can find anywhere in the world you know so you just have to take it push it that how can you push the envelope a little bit further for people oh i know what let's put on a ridiculous show and it's um 
you know, we could send the girls out into the audience. They're squirting cream into people's mouths. They're squirting people with water pistols. We're serenading people. We're, you know, everything that we can do just to make people um, engaged. Like I had um, a friend that came to a show and he's got a, what has it got? a Swiss girlfriend. And she said, oh, well, I didn't really like the music, but I love the talking bits in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... It, you know, you say cynical, I also hear intelligent, right? Like a, a smart approach because you're right, so much music, there's so much music out there. It's, it, the question is, and this is something I've heard from a lot of people, you know, ask, right, is like, well, what's going to make somebody want to stick around or listen to your music or come to a show? It's like there needs to be a, something unique that's going to capture the person's attention in order to yeah, keep their attention. Exactly. You know, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I think I look a little bit older than you. But I remember when, before the internet was around, I used to work at a, a local music venue. And regardless of who was playing, it would be packed out on a Friday and Saturday night, whoever was playing, you know, no name bands, just local bands out of town. Friday and Saturday night, it was packed. And I've seen that sort of, I would blame the internet, but I don't know, people going on phones or whatever but it, i just don't see that anymore no one will come out for a band that they don't know so that's why we try and do something a little bit different and even though if some venues we play and it might be a bit quiet then we're having lots of fun regardless so yeah. but i think yeah i mean I, it is a shame i think that just I've seen audience figures go down a lot. And unless you're signed or named or have got plenty of friends, no one really comes out to see live music anymore, which is a shame, I think, really. I don't yeah. know how you find Well, so I'm 38 and I was around before the internet. Oh, okay, sorry. You look you look very young in your photo. In Thanks, your, man. The- I try to. <laughs> I, like to. I like to still try to stay young looking or, you know, but, uh, eat well, right? But... um. I'm 38, and um, and so I know what you're saying, and uh, I do think that we have more options for entertainment now, and so you're right. Less people on a Friday or Saturday are looking around, thinking, "What can I do?" and they're instead thinking, "What do I want to watch on Netflix?" Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. I think yeah, and I mean, I put it down to computer games or screens or whatever but yeah netflix as well i didn't even think of that really but yeah they'll stay in and even not even uh music venues i've seen all sort of in england all the pubs and everyone it's just you know less and less people seem to go out really but that's the thing that's what it is yeah yeah i think uh, we're living more digital lives these days definitely it's a shame I think. but i mean and that's that's why again we do what we do just just to offer some people something different really and when we play our hometown everybody that knows us knows what we do and it's you know packed out really and yes it's all right it's good cool well so in the uh, in the email you sent me it said that uh, the the pinnacle right now you played a massive show at a festival what was that yeah. show like how many people were there it- <laughs> it was it was just the weirdest thing because <laughs> my I've got um, like going back to Queen back to VHS videos I can't remember there was a, a Queen story it was on the video number two I think and there was a 
image of uh, Freddie Mercury walking up these uh, outside festival, Nebworth, I think it was, and you, there's a video of him walking up the steps outside onto like a huge stage. And we played this festival and, you know, it was our turn to go on stage. I think we were headlining because it was quite local and we had a big name and there's lots of people there. Um, we got to the back of the stage and there was actually uh, steps <laughs> to walk up to the stage because it was so high and big, the stage. Plus they had a, like a drum riser. And I I just walked just at the bottom of the steps and I could look out onto the crowd. It was dark. There was people there, the lights, the smoke, the noise, the people shouting. I was, am I allowed to swear? Or, yeah, or yeah, this go thing? for it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck me, this is what it must feel like to do this. Like, this is what real, like, rock and roll stars must feel like, walking up these steps every time. And I just got to the bottom of the steps because I wear a cape as well for my show. So cape, capes always make you feel powerful in, yeah. in any form. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a cape on and I walked up these stairs and I just felt like a, a superhero. It was, just, it was just incredible. And then you get to the front, look out, and there's just faces and heads all the way back and you're just like oh my god if i could have this life where i do this every time for a living it would be amazing but uh yeah that's one of my i think it was everyone else's high points as well i think i think you might meet ryan as well but he uh he'll probably say the same thing it was just one of those moments where you just like what the fuck? And I just phoned my sister up afterwards and was like, you never guess what I've done. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's wow. amazing. It's wow. amazing. It was one of those moments where you'd like, you got to feel what it was like to be a proper, you know, rock star for yeah. a day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Hasn't well, happened since. But. <laughs> but it might again you never know right hopefully, hopefully yes, yes hopefully it's, it's, I, it, they they say in anything the hardest one to get is the first one and so you've already played a show like that right now it's like yeah. when's the next opportunity going to come along it, obviously you guys are ready for it oh absolutely i mean we've um obviously the whole lockdown thing has put a what yeah. nearly two two years off now really but um we've recorded a ridiculously good album and i found loads of companies and we're going to really push it and i think the opportunity hopefully well i'm pretty sure it will come again but uh yeah it's just a case of seeing how it goes really yeah 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 timing well let's retrace how you got to that stage and those steps like freddie mercury um but let's go far back and start with your childhood and you know were you invested in music at that at a young age what was that like it's a good question i wasn't really interested in music up until the age of oh now let's see i went to visit another family and my dad's friend had a cassette obviously at the time it was cassettes and he had this little drawer with cassettes and I pulled out one that said Queen and put it in the tape player pressed play and I was oh my god what is this it was a real uh, a moment and I just got obsessed with Queen from the age of must have been 11 till 
14 years old i used to get my friends to play in the garden with tennis rackets miming to queen songs uh in front in front of uh get all the parents out and then press play on the tape recorder get the tennis rackets out and just mime to uh queen songs these are tennis racket guitars right yeah, tennis racket. Sorry, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> we didn't play tennis listening to Queen. That would just be a bit weird. <laughs> but yeah, tennis racket guitars. And uh, and then from then it went to Queen, and I was like, okay, well, I've listened to every single conceivable thing that Queen have ever done. Now what do I do? And then it sort of went into Iron Maiden, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, all those kind of, wasn't that interested in Deep Purple, uh, mainly sort of Maiden and Sabbath. And then I listened to all that and it's like, well, okay, well, I've done that. Where can I go from here? Then it went into Metallica and Megadeth, which were coming out at the time. Then I did that. And then it went into a bit of the death metal stuff. And then I went into a little bit of the Black metal and then from there just listen to anything that I liked really could be anything Britney Spears whatever it is didn't really care as long as it was good it didn't matter yeah all right so the influences really run the gamut there yeah (laughs) yeah and I'm sure a lot of those artists were inspired by Freddie Mercury of Queen as well yeah I think you're right actually I mean they they started out quite early, Queen, and everything kind of sprung from there. It was just the simplicity of the, you know, the We Will Rock You and the Bohemian Rhapsody. How different Bohemian Rhapsody is to normal rock songs. It was just like, wow, what, what, what is this? So it's kind of exciting, really. Yeah, the first time I heard that song was watching, um, what was the movie there that made it famous with her head banging in the back of the car? Right. Wayne's World. Exactly. That was my first introduction to Queen, and I was just like blown away by that song. Like immediately, fell in love. Like, what is this? Yeah, young kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same as me. Yeah, it's like, wow, this is this is something. But uh, yeah, it all it all stemmed from there, really. Got it. Got it. All right. So you grew up with many different influences, and. Did you go straight into having a rock band, like as a teenager? What happened was, is I got into trouble at schools and uh, I got asked to leave uh, various schools through uh, either laziness or being naughty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I went to uh, a college in Harlow, a place in England, and there was a really good live music venue, which has been knocked down since, a couple of years ago it knocked down, but it was the one of the you know one of the predominant live music venues in the country it was brilliant and my friend said to me what he uh, just started at this college i didn't know anyone and he said he's i think i had a megadeth t-shirt on at the time and he had one as well so he sort of gravitated towards me and said uh do you want to come and watch a band tonight? And I was like, what, what the fuck is he talking about? I've never watched a band in, t- in my entire life. Where, where do I go and watch a band? Mm-hmm. And he told me about this music venue. We went out and uh, just watched this local metal band. And I was like, oh my God, you can just walk over the road here. There's a venue. You walk in, pay money, and then there's a stage. And then there's people with long hair that look like me. And I can, you know, felt part of... That was it. That was game over for me. I was just there forever. And he also asked me if I wanted to uh, 
sing in his band and I th- this is it was all like a dream happening <laughs> I never sung in my life before but we were friends and he played guitar and uh, I said oh yeah I'd love to and uh, I just remember we did a cover of um, oh, what was it oh, Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth and I tried to sing like Dave Mustaine and they were in hysterics my two friends <laughs> uh, I don't even know how that I haven't heard that song so I'm not sure how he sings <laughs> Trust me, I didn't sound like Dave Mustaine. <laughs> yeah. How old were you when, when you were asked to sing for this band? I must have been 19, so many, many years ago. And we, uh, yeah, we organised, uh, we had a, a a gig at the said venue and sold it out. Loads of people came to see us. We quickly worked out that I singing wasn't really my forte, so we decided to do it all death metal stuff. So uh, at the time it was all... Uh, yeah, screaming, uh, yeah, yeah, growling. <clears throat> so I got away with it that way, but it was just... It was just the best fun. It was just, it was, you know, like you hear comedians say, "Oh, I went on stage and I realised that's what I wanted to be," or an actor saying, "Oh, I did this and that's," and I got on, did that gig, and I was just like, "Right, that's it. Just, I never want this to end, and it hasn't." <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's just got bigger and better over the years. You know, the, like you said, the older you get, the wiser you get, and you, you know, you can just push it, push it even more, really. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I can, you know, it's funny you say that because definitely looking back, like the bands that I played in in high school were the ones, it's the things that started it all for me in that sense. And they're hands down some of my favorite memories. Um, and yeah, something about, you know, the, just the pressure from parents and societies is like, you don't think as a high school kid, you know, 18 years old, that you can make it in a band. So I, you know, we didn't, we didn't like go any further with it after that time, but uh, they're definitely some of my favorite memories. And I think a big reason why I'm still making music to this day. And I went back to making music. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's so pure and innocent, I think. And as well, before the internet, we used to, so I had this metal band and we used to play in shows around London and, you know, you really thought you were, you were it, you were the bee's knees, you were the best kind of thing, really. And my dad said at the time, aren't you, know, aren't you going to get your hair cut? And I was like, don't you understand? This is who I am. I've got... <laughs> <laughs> this is my metal old... hair, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> like big arguments at home, like, oh, you don't understand whatever, da, 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 da. But yeah, at the time, it, it's just, you, you're with your friends, it's brilliant, you haven't got anything to worry about, you know, you just... 19 20 years old going to these gigs and playing and sometimes it's in front of no one sometimes someone will come up to you and say that was really good and it's just yeah like you say brilliant memories absolutely all right so how long did that band last for and what happened next so that oh not happened with that that turned into uh we started to get oh we lost our drummer who moved to holland and we just thought oh that's well i remember now no i went to university and after university uh we thought we'd get it back together again but changed the name and we changed the name to because we didn't really like like but same with papa shango i don't really like 
bands that, uh, particularly death metal bands that sing about all this nonsense and then they go home to their mum and dads and put on a pair of slippers and go, hi mum, hi dad, and you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's not real. So we sung death metal, but we were nice sort of middle class guys. So we changed our name to a fruit, fruit tree. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> which is much nicer but we got signed to um copro records which is a small label in england and um, we started doing shows but i started to push my silliness on it a little bit which they didn't mind we used to start dressing up like our, my friend sam dressed up in a suit of armor and i had a wizard costume and we had the barbarian that played the drums and this girl sung for us and she dressed up as so the dressing up just to put on a show started from there and then that's kind of fizzled out we lost some members they went did their own thing and then it fizzled out and then i really missed live music so I started another band called Gorilla Monsoon, where I put on a, a gorilla costume, mm-hmm. and the rest of the band were zookeepers, <laughs> <laughs> and they they were phenomenal musicians, like incredible musicians, like amazing. They'd all played together since primary school. They it was it was brilliant, but they just weren't interested in. It was weird. They weren't interested in playing live at all. They just, the three of them played with each other just for like a hobby, but with absolutely no interest in playing live, which is the opposite of me. So I did manage to get them out and we won a rock contest. And after that, they were just like, no, we don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. But from, luckily, from that rock contest is when I was spotted by a few people at the venue who thought actually Rob is quite good at this and so when Gorilla Monsoon finished I had a pick of the bunch of who I could carry on doing music with and that's when Papa Shango started. Mm. What does Papa Shango so, yeah. stand for? Does it, does it have a meaning it, or is it just? Yeah it's just um, he's not that I'm hugely into it but we were just watching telly one time and uh, there was a wrestler on telly and the guy came on and said, oh, here's Papa Shango. And he came on with this, uh, uh, like a gimmick, which was a skull with smoke coming out of it. And I thought, oh, you know, that looks pretty cool. And uh, (laughs) it just kind of came from there. Little did I know at the time that I'd be doing it about... 13 years later if i if i could go back and change that i probably would because i don't like the fact that i've kind of copied someone's persona and gimmick and stuff but um you know you can't do anything about it now and i didn't realize we'd be doing it so many still, years later. Does yeah you wrestle <laughs> Baba Shango? Yeah, he does. No, he wrestles as uh, someone called the Godfather now. And he, he did message us out of the blue and said, oh, I really love what you're doing. I'm totally fine with it. So oh, that's uh, interesting. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was, took us by surprise. I woke up one morning with a message from him. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, he'd got. You never women. know. Yeah, definitely. No, he seems like a really cool guy. He, every maybe once every year or so he'll drop us a little message or something so that's great yeah, maybe he's... you can bring him out on stage sometime dressed as your <laughs> evil twin or something 
That's good. It's good. So at what age, um, you know, you, you, you said you got kicked out of all the schools, right? Like what age was that and which bands were you oh, at the time? What was going on in life? So I was a grade A student. I think that's what you call them in America, grade A student. And uh, <laughs> up, up until the age of uh, about 15. And then that's when I started getting into Queen and realising there was an alternative life outside school. Because at the age of 15, you don't know any different. I would say Queen were directly responsible for me (laughs) getting everything uh, wrong. So, yeah, I started listening to Queen and then I started to get friends that were into the same kind of rock stuff and then... We'd go to the park and drink cider and smoke joints. And then um, people in school would wonder where I was and uh, me and my friend as well. And then it became clear that I just wasn't that interested in it. I think you're quite, when you're young, you're quite, I don't know, one-dimensional, aren't you, really? School was the thing, and then it was something else, and now I've got to do that thing and forget about the other thing. So, (laughs) um, yeah, and a whole lot, and then just started dreaming of being a rock star at the age of 15, 16 kind of thing, and then, uh, uh, yeah, schools, I mean, I wasn't naughty. I just wasn't really there much, and I wasn't really interested in it, but it was a bit of a shock because I was doing so well and then just not there wasn't any trauma or anything like that it was just wow what's this music (laughs) what's this cider what are these joints who are these girls kind of thing and it was just like my mind was whoop I've gone somewhere else now and that was it it's funny because you know there's a lot of people or groups out there that want to blame music for a lot of things drug use and violence and stuff and uh and you're not uh, doing that story any favors right now because you were affected by queen and they're like when you compare it to some of the stuff that's out there that you know is affecting people's psychology these days yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't really pin it on queen no you wouldn't so it's pretty interesting to hear you say yeah queen really you know (laughs) set me down a new path and when you're young as well you're like you don't know any difference. So you, well, I am going to make it as a rock star because that's what I've decided I'm going to do. So that will happen. So I'm not worried about school because one day I'll be a rock star. I was convinced. I don't know why. I was convinced I'd meet Madonna and marry her when I was young. Absolutely clueless. (laughs) No idea why. But, you know, what can you do? (laughs) Well, I think sometimes, too, those fantasy-type dreams help to motivate us to keep going because you have this, you know, unrealistic, like, outer goal that sort of drives you if if your goal is just like, well, I want to just get my bills paid. It doesn't exactly drive you as as hard or as far. I'm going to meet Madonna and marry her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> different driving force you still might you still i don't know if you're married yet but uh i am yes i am yeah. not to madame but um i know exactly exactly what you're saying actually it's, it's that driving force and it does it does keep you going and we've been quite lucky or i've been lucky with the people that are in papa Shango at the moment because 
we're all older and we all know that it's not going to be like I say, pay the bills or pay the mortgage, but we look at it as a real, it's still a dream and it's still escapism and we're still kind of hopeful this new album's going to do well and we're still, we still want that moment when we step out onto, walk up some steps and go onto a big stage. So the dream is always still there, never ends. That's awesome. Yeah, and it sounds like to me you guys are doing it. Yeah, that was, uh, you said that in the email. That was a really kind thing to say. I, I really liked what you said there. You sort of said, um, you know, what is making it in a band? And I said, well, there's different definitions of making it. And it, you said, well, if you guys are enjoying it and living it and being happy, then you've made it in your own way. And and that's a really nice thing to say, you know, even though we might not be mega multi-stars, but you, we, in our own way, we're happy, you know? We love it. That's awesome. And you guys have been making music for 13 years. That's a, that's huge. Yeah, it is. And it's been... There's lots of changes have gone within that. I've noticed from my metal days, I always like having uh, female singers in bands, and it's something I've always wanted. So we... Well, it's come up with a time limit on my thing. Yeah, uh, too. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah. I'll talk quickly. I <laughs> know oh, it said that it said they yeah, it said they gave us a gift of more time, but I always have <laughs> It's very strange. Days. Yeah, so strange. Anyways. We'll see what. Uh, you know, I've always wanted girl, uh, female lead singer in, and uh, we've had we've got girl backing singers, but we've just acquired uh, a joint female lead singer, and it's made the album brilliant. So, yeah, it's always kind of changing in the the, the thirteen years. We've just it started off as a bit of fun, and now as we've gone on, it's got I wouldn't say serious, but certainly more professional, maybe. So. Yeah. Because we're, you know, further down the line, really. That's awesome. Well, so, you know, you said, like, hey, it's not paying the mortgage, right? So I'm assuming that you have another job, right? Yeah. And a lot of people have a job alongside of their creative passions. And so, like, what's it like for you? Like, what do you do full time? And what's it like to balance Papa Shango with your, with your job? weirdest thing was that um, I'm actually a primary school teacher for my main job and I'll never forget I was teaching um, <clears throat> I was teaching maths on the, or you say math don't you math yeah. <laughs> I, was te- I was teaching math on the, uh, on the whiteboard uh, I had the class of 30 kids all about the age of 8 and 9 doing uh, what was I doing at the time Oh, I was doing multiplication, long multiplication, doing on the board, shirt and tie, da da da, blah blah blah. And I looked at the clock, and I thought, in six hours' time, I'm going to be wearing a black leotard with a cape and a top hat, dancing around in front of, in front of about two hundred people, and you couldn't have got two more opposite kind of ways if you could do like a flashback or flash forward or whatever it was just it just crossed my mind i'm being all professional with my shirt and tie mr scatchard yes sir no sir and then like in six hours i'm swearing and i don't know being, <laughs> being total complete. debauchery <laughs> so uh yeah complete 
opposite ends of the spectrum, really. But, uh, you know, I think I like it that way. It's the same for our bass player. He's um, he's quite high up in education. He's a director of college and he's got some very serious meetings. He's met uh, members of parliament and people high up in the government. And then in the evenings, he's got a T-shirt on playing the bass, running around in circles and doing high kicks. It's just like, it's just the complete opposite, really. But that it's a release, isn't it? That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, it is a release. Do your students know that you're in this band? Do they have any idea? No, I had, well, one one school I worked in, the head teacher had uh, Googled me and she called me into the office and said, oh, I'd like a quick word with you. And I was like, well, what's all this about? Because she's quite a frightening woman. She's quite a posh lady. She goes, um, I was looking on the internet last night and I've come across this picture of you and turned I thought oh fucking hell was it she turned the screen round and there was a picture of me uh dancing with this stripper that we hired <laughs> in London and I was like she goes if the children's parents get wind of this you know you're going to be in lots of trouble so I had to um text our guitarist who's a bit of a computer whiz kid and i was like look can you get all these pictures down really this is before facebook so i think it's myspace it was yeah it's myspace, MySpace it was on. that was it Something yeah yeah and uh <clears throat> he quickly took all the photos down for me fortunately but yeah <laughs> no more dancing with strippers at your live shows is that what you're saying uh, no no well i am but you know be careful with it <laughs> uh, <laughs> make sure your head teacher's not in the audience well, yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so the, the teacher found out but have any of your students ever uh noticed? no i think because some of this because the kids are quite young and some of the songs are a bit risque then i i i'm quite careful sometimes i'm tempted to say stuff but i try and keep it uh more to myself really so uh i think I don't know. They, it doesn't. They don't seem to have come across anything. Oh no, no. There was a time one kid said, "I heard them whispering Papa Shango or something." Oh no, yeah, no. It's about. Oh, sorry, you're right. It's coming back to me now. It's about six years ago, and yeah, no. There was two kids. Oh, that's his name. Yes, <clears throat> remember his name now. He said, "Mr. Scatchard, are you in something called Papa Shango?" And I said, "No. What are you talking about?" Don't be silly. And then just moved on with the lesson really quickly. So, yes, you are right. Someone did find out. I've remembered now. Well, you but you just it. Yeah, yeah. Changed the subject and just said, uh, you know, get on with your English or whatever it was. But, yes, I do remember now. Now and you said it. The kids didn't push back. They didn't say, well, our parents said or... He didn't. He just sort of like shook his head as if though uh, it, it was inconceivable that their teacher... Is in this is the same person as this idiot that's dancing around on stage. Like he must have thought well, it must have been my mistake or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So what about in the age of Facebook now? I mean, like I'm assuming you post about Papa Shango on your Facebook. The kids don't see. I do mine. well. I keep. You know, I don't know if it's the person I am, but I like to keep my. Rob's Facebook different from Papa Shango. I tend not to mix the two. Papa Shango is like a separate Got thing it. from my own personal one. So if anyone does find 
me on Facebook, they wouldn't necessarily know that I do Papashanga because I, I tend to keep it separate, really. So, yeah, 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 it's not too bad. I think I, it sounds strange for someone who puts on a top hat and likes to show off on stage, but I'm not particularly... I get a bit fed up of people saying, oh, look at my band, look at me, look at my band, look at me. You know, I'm not really... If people are interested, they're interested, but I'm not going to force stuff down their throat, you know? that's It's my hobby. Why should I... Why should I... Uh, think that my friends would be interested in my hobby you know if they're interested that's cool but I'm not going to say you know come and see us play and stuff like that it's a choice thing isn't it really I, I don't want to shove it down people's throats that aren't interested in it yeah there's a lot of that on the internet these days <laughs> yeah definitely and it just I don't know, puts me off really so yeah not not my sort of thing. Well, so what did your parents think about all this when you were, I mean, your dad wanted you to cut your hair. How did they think about uh, it? They came to see my first gig at the square right back when I was before Papa Shanga, before Gorilla Monsoon, before Fruit Tree, back right in the beginning. They came to see uh, yeah, my first gig at this venue and we were really shit band <laughs> we were terrible um and you know he's a dad and he's not into heavy metal so he sort of didn't really say anything and my mum was just a bit bemused so um <laughs> i think they thought that i should uh, as with all parents think they that i should get a proper job and concentrate on my education which is right, I think. But at the time, you know, you're fighting against that, aren't you? So, Yeah. So at what point did you decide to um, follow their advice and go get a proper education? That was, that's a really good uh, question. I think, and it wasn't, it was a definite turning point, a dawn of realisation that this band is not going to make me the money that required to live and I think most people um, hit it about sort of maybe early 20s 22 23 and likewise loads of my peers from the same music venue that kind of age people started to realize I mean some people kept trying for years but then you realize that uh you know you can't you can't do it really so I think about the age of 22, 23, something like that. Okay. What was it like for you? Are you, you you're doing chiropractor, aren't you? So did what point did you get to the thing where I'm going to train as a chiropractor? Yeah, great question. Um, so I was, I went to uh, undergraduate school. We, it's like, we call it college, but you know, where you're like 18 to 21. Um, and I received a degree in painting and drawing as an artist. Wow. Okay. First, at first, it was the plan was to be an art teacher. And then my art teacher in college convinced me that I didn't want to be an art teacher because I wouldn't have any time for my art. And I think he was right. He was like, you think that you're going to be, you know, reading kids paintings and painting on your own time and enjoying. He's like, that's not how it works. He's like, you don't have as much time for your art. So he can. That's good me. advice. Yeah, it was, it was great advice. There was two of us. He sat us down and gave us that advice. And 
I thought it was great advice and looking back, I still do, but I think my parents thought that was shit advice, you know, cause, yeah. cause I was going for art education at the time. So that's like a quote unquote good job. So I graduated with an art degree and I was working at an art gallery and I was also painting apartments um, and the plan was to make art. And, you know, there was some pressure, like you could feel the pressure of your parents. I could feel the pressure of my parents and starting to say things like, well, what are you going to do? Just paint all day. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Cause I'm going to make a living as this. And you just get scared, you know, you're young. So I just got scared and uh, happened to be going to the chiropractor like because my mom wanted me to so <laughs> she paid for it so my brother and I went because it was important to her and you know while I was there I was like oh this is a cool like they're, they seem pretty chill you know the chiropractors got to make their own schedule and worked part-time and so I was like oh, I think I could do this for a living let me let me try and so when I told my parents it was even an idea they were just like so like gung-ho like you should do it that'd be a great idea we think that's great you know so I went and did it and um you know, when I was in chiropractor school, I played in a cover rock band. I played drums in a cover band uh, with my anatomy professor. And I still made art on the side. And, you know, most of my classmates knew me as like the musician artist of the bunch. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, so then I graduated as a chiropractor. But to tell you the truth, um, I'm not convinced that, well, I know that chiropractic isn't my passion. It doesn't like fuel me. Yeah, and, of course. Um, and I really feel that life is short and I want to pursue the things that fuel me. And that is definitely music. Um, so, you know, might you might, people might think I'm crazy, but I'm 38 years old and I'm like, well, I'm going to make a go at this. I'm going to keep going until it works out. I think the, the fueling thing is a really good thing because when, when we do do gigs or anything, it, it does fuel us and it does yeah. buzz. It does fillers full of like get up and go you know like if i'm a bit tired or i'm a bit down or and then someone will offer us a gig and i'll say oh brilliant we've got this gig and then you'd like buzzing for the rest of the day because you've picked up a gig but you know yeah it is it feels a really good word i think and it, it, like you say chiropractic being a chiropractor isn't your you didn't think oh one day i want to be a chiropractor i didn't think one day i want to be a teacher that's not what you want to do but music does give you that fuel really does it's good yeah you know actually one of the things i've been thinking and, and that i'll be most interested to find out is um you know i played as i played in a drummer in new york when i was a chiropractor you know like i said I trained as a drummer and everything but i always yeah. wanted to write songs i always wanted to sing i always wanted to play guitar on stage and and i just felt like a little limited behind the drum set because i wanted to like move with the music you know what i mean you can kind of yeah. do that a little bit more as a singer as a guitar player so I started doing that, and when I moved to Brussels, I started playing, writing my own songs, and I just released my first single in November of last year, but since November, I have been, like, so deep into my music, like, just recording and writing and rehearsing with a band, and, and it's really been just, like, a full immersion in my songwriting, and what's interesting about that is I broke my elbow, I broke this elbow in December, and so I'm still, even though I can, you can see now I can move it most of the way. I can't put pressure on it yet. It doesn't have like, there's still pain. So I haven't actually worked in my, we'll say career as a chiropractor while being totally immersed into my music. 
And I'm curious to see if there will be a change in my energy at work because now at least I'm doing the thing, meaning music, like full out, you know? And if that might change the dynamic of how I feel about at work because I'm wondering if maybe some of my frustration with what I called my job was coming from not doing the things that I was thinking about in my head that I wanted to do. Yes. And now I am. So I'm, I'm curious to see what that balance will be like when I go back to the office. Yeah. That'd be interesting. So, so with your arm, can you drum now then or? I can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, okay. you know, the thing about with drumming with your elbow is that um, it's mostly coming from the wrist. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And you're not drumming. Yeah, you're not drumming with your elbow, and so the the and in fact, if you are moving your elbow, you're not doing it right. <laughs> so so the elbow point. is pretty stationary, and a lot of it's happening through the fingers and the wrist. And so, yeah, I can do that. Cool. Yeah. So can you, you can play the guitar as well and sing and write songs? The guitar playing took a long time to um, to get, and that's relatively new within like the last three weeks I was able to start playing the guitar again. Cool. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's more challenging still and you can, you feel the discomfort. Yeah. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to chuck me your, your band and stuff after the, uh, yeah, I will. You. Like I said, yeah. I've got the one single out, but I'm coming out with my second one. It's done. I just need to do the cover art and I might work with Damien on some PR stuff. Do you, is that, do you work with Damien on the PR? Yeah. He's been pretty good. It was hard. We gave him a brief, but it's harder for him because we recorded this album risk assessment and we couldn't finish it because of lockdown. And I was getting so bored and frustrated. I thought I'll just uh, do something with our previous album. So I just contacted him and I said, look, this is a bit weird, but do you, do you want to promote our album from six years ago? Uh-huh. <laughs> so he, just for like a bit of fun. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. So he's been touting everybody um, saying, right, there's this band. Can you review their album from six years ago? And How's it going? Have, some people have said yes, which has been really good. And we've got loads of stuff out of it. Like chatting to you is really nice as well. I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for him. Yep. But <clears throat> yeah, some people have reviewed it and some people have said really like it, but we'd rather wait till the new one, which is fair enough. But yeah, and it's just been a bit of fun really. But um, I, I can't say what it, what he'd be like with a, with a new song, but I'm sure he'd be very good because the only thing we gave him was really old. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. He introduced me to another guy, Damien. No, sorry. He's Damien. Sorry. He introduced me to another guy named, named Adam. And it uh, looked like he's doing some great stuff with Adam's new singles. Um, so yeah. I think he does a, a pretty great job with, with new music. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about it right now. So it's a possibility. But... Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. He's, he's on it as well. Which yeah, he's a great it. guy. He's a good yeah, the, person to have in your circle. Definitely. The discussion, because I... I was kind of new-ish to stuff like that, and I was having a little conversation trying to get the measure of him, but everything that he was answering me was spot on, really. So I was like, you know, I'll give it a go. And it's been, he's been good, yeah. That's awesome. It's cool. So tell me about risk assessment. What's that? What's it all about? It is the best thing. I wasn't just saying this, but the best thing, music thing, I have done since I started music it's the one thing that you can 
be proud of. It's, I think all the other recordings I've done with other bands have more been a record of a record, uh, like a, a keepsake of what of songs and stuff. But this risk assessment is actually, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, it's brilliant because just I think we spend so much time on it, and uh, the two guys I work with, the bass player and the guitarist, have really come out of their shells and done loads of work on it as well. And it just sounds really good. I'll have to chuck you a copy when um, we release it eventually. But, awesome. uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's not, it's very different. It's not just rock. It's rock with loads of, you know, there's waltzes and all different types of music and silly bits in it and little sketches of talking in it. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's really, really proud of it, actually. It's good. Now, is there a concept, like, behind the album and the word, you know, the, the title? Uh, the, well, I think the title came from the i work in education and the bass player who helps me out works in education and every time we go on a school trip we have to we have to fill in these things called risk <laughs> risk assessments and we just got so sick of these bloody risk assessments that we thought we'd call <laughs> we'd call the album risk assessment and the front cover uh, that i can't show you because i haven't got any means to show you is um uh scantily clad lady halfway up a ladder fixing something a bit precariously mm -hmm. while I stand behind her with a clipboard doing a risk assessment. So it's, nice, um, nice. <laughs> it's cool. kind of, yeah, it's tongue in cheek, silly fun, but with really good songs this time. It's funny because when I read the title, I wasn't sure if it was a commentary on sort of the state of the world right now because you know there's this discussion of like the risk that inherently comes with life and interacting with humans and we're where it seems like as a whole planet we're trying to mitigate risk i think you know? on, a, on a deeper level definitely we'd be looking i mean on the on the surface we are silly but underneath that i think you know you can I think underneath it if we look at it it probably is a little bit of like that or in a way i mean we are our songs are about day-to-day -day living but on a deeper level you know there's there's more to it than that and i think risk assessment says a lot rather than as well as being silly risk assessment you can get a lot from the word yeah definitely i think that's good i'm curious i, I don't know it's coming to me right now it's like what is it like to transform into papa shango and how is he like similar and different to who you are rob you know, that's a brilliant question. I watched an interview, maybe, oh, really, it really stuck in my head. Many years ago, I watched an interview with Alice Cooper and he was asked the question, a similar question to you. And he started talking about, um, well, when I become Alice, and I was thinking, well, what, you know, what a pretentious guy. He's talking about when he becomes Alice. And I thought that's just absolute nonsense but now <laughs> without, without wanting to sound pretentious i can really i hate to say this but i just totally relate to what he's saying because it's a completely different entity to what i am now talking to you so it really stuck in my mind that, that how he used to talk about becoming alice and then i thought well hang on a minute as soon as i put 
the cape on and the top hat, I, I do become Papa Shango. And it is, well, I think once I've got the costume on, it is a weird transformation. About three years ago, I did a reunion gig with my old metal band. It was just no makeup, no costume, no show, just four or five men playing heavy metal. And I had nothing, no front or anything. It was just me. And I, I, I really struggled with it. I was like, why are these people looking at me? What what do I do? What am I supposed to do? I'll, I'll walk over here. <laughs> I'll I'll do this. I'll, I'll walk over here. I'll, I'm not sure. I felt totally, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally naked. I hated it. But as Papa Shango, you can just do anything. You can just be. Oh, it's wild. You know, I can just. Um, yeah, he's totally different to to me. <laughs> I, I think that makes sense too. You know, it's like um, when Halloween comes around and people put on a costume. There's this inherent you know, just transformation of behavior because you, you're like, well, now I'm, now I'm not me. I'm, I'm this other person that I get to like take on this other identity. Exactly. You know, it's, it's brilliant. And, uh, all the inhibitions go, uh, I I couldn't do, you know, well, I'd look like an idiot doing without makeup and stuff being that person, but, um, it all ties in and you can get away with anything. And it's, I think, I don't know if the rest of them are like that as well, because they've got all, you know, the other female singers, she's got makeup on and she's quite a confident girl anyway, and our backing singers have got makeup on. I think it's probably the same for them, actually, because they've got day-to-day jobs and then they put the makeup on and they're on stage and in their hot pants and squirting people and being confident, mucking around. It is a real transformation for all of us, I think. And when it's interesting when we come up to venues and we, <laughs> when we sound check, um, our songs, some of our songs are quite blues, rocky, and the other support bands are watching us thinking, why, why are these old men headlining? They're just playing, their, <laughs> they're just playing these, this kind of bluesy rock songs. And what, why are they headlining? What's going on? And then like three hours later, it's like, bang, just the whole wallop of things in people's faces. And they're like, whoa, what is this? So <laughs> it's yeah. just a transformation. Yeah, it's fun. Well, yeah, that was one of my next questions. So, okay, so when you arrive, the audience isn't there, you're sound checking, you're just kind of normal, you're playing the songs, okay, making sure it sounds tight. But then at yeah. what point do you transform into the character? Like, are you staying in character all night, like before you play the set that's when the audience question. is there and after yeah that's a good question so what it will be is because it takes quite a while to get all ready so during the the bands before us we'll all probably go off and get ready depending on the venue there's always a room somewhere so we'll all be and as the makeup and the clothes are being changed. You sort of adrenaline starts from nothing. And then slowly as you're putting on more things and more makeup, the adrenaline's getting up and up and up. So I won't wander around the venue like that. It's more of an instant 
you know, bang kind of thing. I don't want to, we don't, I say to the girls as well, and all of us, we won't want, we'll go to, <laughs> try and go to the loo before we get dressed. That's one thing to really remember. But we don't want to sort of go around the venue because it kind of diminishes a little bit. You just want a massive impact, like boom, straight away. So as soon as the lights go down, bang, we're there and they haven't seen us before. And it's just a full, it's, a, I can't describe it's such a real assault on the senses. I think watching us, it's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I was picturing that like you're in character and the audience is there and you're in the audience drinking a beer. But I like the fact that they haven't seen you to that point in character. I think that's awesome. It's really good. You've got really good questions, Mike. Yeah. It's a, I run a, a strict policy of, uh, yeah. With festivals, it can no, I think with festivals, sometimes we used to wander around, but I think now I've changed it now. We just, we stayed totally out of the way and then bang, it just exploded onto the stage and people are just like, what the hell is going on? That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Rob, I would say, you know, you guys got this new album coming out. You're still making music 13 years later. Besides marrying Madonna, sorry to your wife, what are they <laughs> What are the goals for Papa Shango? Like, what are you hoping to see next for you guys? It is, again, going to sound a little bit cynical, but we've got, not cynical, I think, maybe realistic, okay. who knows, but we've got this, we've got to this point when we've been doing it together for, like you say, 13 years, and some of us are nearly hitting into our 50s now, and I think we've reached, this is, this is the pinnacle. Risk assessment is the best thing we've ever done and the biggest push we're going to have on it. And I think that's because we're all a little bit worried about getting older and stuff like that. And we haven't really done a big bang, but this risk assessment is going to be pushed to the maximum. Festivals are going to go to the maximum and getting in contact with Damien and chatting with people like you, that is, that's part of all this massive push. So you're the first person I've spoken to properly about it, but yeah, risk assessment is going to be released uh, later on in the year and everything is just building up towards that. And I think it will be very positive, really. Well, I, you know, and I hear what you're saying, and I don't think that sounds cynical. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with having realistic goals and there's nothing wrong with having what some people would call unrealistic goals, right? It's like, you know, everyone's got to kind of live their own life in the way that they see fit and decide, like, do I want to you know really like shoot for mars or do i want to you know shoot for the atmosphere i don't know you know just get lifted off definitely this is this is going to be our biggest shot with the best people because it's been difficult to have the right team like i said there's about 12 15 of us at any time but these are the best ones we've ever had we've got the best girls we've got the best musicians we've got the most enthusiastic people it's all come together at the right time and uh and that's why i didn't i didn't want to push the other albums big time because they weren't i'm not going to lie they weren't that brilliant and they weren't worth pushing as much as we're going to push this one so yeah it's pretty it's good well it's obvious that you guys are going to give some sort of push right you know if you didn't believe in it you wouldn't push so you know i i, I would imagine you you must have some inkling of a vision of what you'd like to see happen with it. <laughs> speak it into existence you know that's where it starts rob my 
my imagination or has no limit. Like I fully want this album to get in the rock charts. I want everyone, one of the songs to be on the radio. It's quite commercial. I fully imagine that it can, it's good enough. Uh, I've made all the contacts necessary to get it in the right places, but it's all just a case of waiting. But I'm kind of, uh, you don't want to jinx it, but I, I, I really think that it can do potentially brilliantly. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. I hear what Thank you're saying. You don't want to jinx it. I think a lot of people think that. That's something I hear from my patients all the time. I'll be like, how are you feeling today? And they're like, oh, man, I want to tell you that I'm feeling good, but I don't want to jinx it. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, when you, when you think about the creative process, it's sort of a three-step process. It's like, you think about it, right? That's the first idea is there's the thought, you think the thought, then you start talking about it and then you take action to get there, right? So it's like right now you're thinking inside, like this has the potential to be on the radio. This has the potential to chart, to play bigger festivals, I would imagine. You know what I mean? Exactly. Go Walking up those stairs again, right? Like exactly Freddie Mercury. That. Yeah. You see it in your head. I know you can see it. I can see it in you. Uh-huh. I and love you, Mike. Thanks, brother. I love you too, Rob. And now you're speaking it into existence, and then you're going to take action on that. And um, you know, you know, the thing I like to think about when it comes to success and the level of success that any of us want, it's just a matter of continued action, right? It's like you, you see the vision. If you truly believe that you can chart with this album and you know get it on the radio and all the things you want, you will continue to take action. Till you see that happen that describes me to a t you know that is that is that is it i don't stop until yeah, man. until until everything's exhausted and then i say okay didn't get there with it but next one <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know it's funny too to think about you know i heard you say well you know we're getting close to 50s and stuff and and that's a valid point um but i'll never forget i saw most deaf uh, i don't know if you know who most deaf is a hip-hop artist from brooklyn super famous right or famous yeah. enough within that world of hip-hop and indie one of my all-time favorites i went to his final shows at the apollo theater in harlem in like 2000 and i don't know 14 15 we went to both because i'm a i'm a huge fan and the second night we're walking out of there and i look at my wife and i'm like he's not done i was like there's no way he's done i was like this is in him. It is in his like being to do this and to make music. I, I don't think, I think when we're artists and musicians, it's like, it's a, it's a weird impulse. Do you know what I mean? That like we have this drive, I'm 38. Why do I have this drive to make music and perform at this age? And yet it's still there. And I don't think it's going to go away. Absolutely. No, I, I do agree. Like, even though I said we're getting close to our 50s, that's just like, in a way, that's just a marker. But the only thing that I think will ever stop Papa Shango from happening is if is if uh, one of the three main people uh, dies or goes deaf or something like that. But yeah. like you say, I um, Ozzy Osbourne doing his final show in 1996. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the same... You don't stop doing nah. something you love doing. So, like, 
yeah, I think not necessarily an age thing, but maybe it's more of a marker. But yeah, we we want to go all out with it, definitely with this one. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, where that goes for you, Rob. Cool. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> You're welcome, brother. Uh, any final thoughts or? No, really, I was a bit nervous at first because I've never done a, a Zoom Papashango interview, but it's all good good practice for me when we do reach fame and glory. So I'll put you first on the list as uh, helping me get there. Hell yeah, man. Hell, man. We're just, we're, you know, reconnecting to the artists within. It's just a launch pad for success. That's it. And chuck me your stuff as well. I will. I will, for sure, my friend. I'll, especially when the second single comes out. Well, I'll send you the, the first one in the video that we put out because it did well, but uh, at least well for me. And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch, brother. Lovely. It's been lovely chatting to you. It has been lovely. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks, Mike. All right, brother. Have you. a great day. You too. Bye-bye. See you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. To join the conversation and dig deeper into your own creative process, hop on over to our private Facebook group, Reconnecting with Our Inner Artist. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider listening to one of the other powerful interviews on this channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you have a moment to leave a review, that would really help the show reach more people just like you. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Mike Murray, and I look forward to bringing you more quality interviews like this. Much love and peace, and have a great day.